This is Pivot Perspectives with Chris O'Byrne, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they've learned on their road to success and get exclusive access on how to implement their success into your life and business. Pivot Perspectives is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Chris O'Byrne. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with me today. No, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, to kind of get started, I'd really like to go back to childhood. So is there a story from your childhood that you feel is instrumental into developing you into who you are today? Yeah, this one, um, when I when I read your your pre kind of questions, so made me think a little bit, but because um, I, I, I will admit, I don't normally talk childhood things. So I talked to my wife, I talked to some other people, and then the epiphany hit me that um, when I was about seven years old, my my dad, one of my my great power figures in, in my life, walked in from work one day, and I was always in athletics and everything else, soccer, baseball, football, track, you name it. And he said, hey, let's go check out this martial arts studio. And it was just completely out of the blue. And so I said, okay. And I went and um, met the instructor and, and all of that and just fell in love. But I think as I, as I reflected why that's important to me, from an early on, even though like seven years old, is a, is a brand new white belt with one day in Taekwondo. Um, I looked at the black belts and went, I want to be you guys. Um, and so that, that drive through discipline and perseverance and problem solving and more, even at a young age, discipline most likely most effectively of all, um, really helped define who I am and turn me into a future Green Beret and turn me into a bunch of other things. And I ended up teaching in my early 20s at a, at a global martial arts academy and ended up with a, a third degree in Taekwondo, a second degree in American karate, and a first degree black belt in Hapkido as well. So it was a lifetime passion um, that sadly, I don't get to practice martial arts as much lately as, I, as I'd like to, as I'm, I'm old and graybeard. But um, I think that that was one of the most groundbreaking moments of my childhood was just you know, I've been in state tournaments for sports and all that stuff, but just learning the inner focus, self-discipline and mental awareness that it takes to be a pure martial artist, not a tour tournament comp competitor or something like that. And not just trying to win trophies, but to actually understand the discipline behind it. I probably still look back on some of those lessons I learned years ago at 47 years old now. So 40 years ago, it's, it's been it's been a good journey. Absolutely. I also got my black belt in Taekwondo, just first degree, but uh I, I wish i had learned it as a child because that mm -hmm. discipline early on i think would have made such a difference in you know the trajectory of my life it still made a difference in my life but the uh the option of learning that as a child i can see that being really yeah. significant especially i was, I was a I was a punk high schooler and, and, you know, I almost didn't go too far over the edge because at the end of the day, it was, what would my instructors think? You know, what would my, what would the owner of the school think? Well, how was I representing, you know, and more. So it always kept me in line through, through some pretty, you know, growing up in the eighties and the nineties, right. It was different from now, obviously as the father of three. Now I get to see that, but still it kept me on the straight edge, even, you know, and off, you know, away from the precipice, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. So switching now to your business, what inspired you to start your business? And, you know, kind of how did you go from that initial idea into making it into a reality? Um, so I, I teach project management and, and I'll nerd out just for, for a moment and say that, that most people, 
you know, we ideate very well and we implement very well, but we don't activate, you know, concepts very well at all. We don't discern whether ideas are, are good or bad. So I, I was leaving my role as a chief operating officer in the Institute of Project Management, um, moving back to the U.S. And, and figuring out a lot of stuff. And I kind of knew and this sounds very prideful and selfish, I don't mean to, but I didn't want to work for anybody else. Um, and, and simply, I, I saw a problem. I saw a problem in how things are being done. I saw a problem in a, in a military community, in a civilian community in the States. It was suffering from a lack of relevance in project management training and overly bureaucratic and super expensive training. Um, I've been in that field for a long time. And so, you know, I, I jokingly tell other special operators when I teach them now that I'm the only guy I know that's actually taught project management on six continents around the globe. And as soon as those lazy scientists in Antarctica get off their butts and invite me down there, then I can check box number seven, right? But I mean, so I've got this crazy perspective, but again, you know, once I saw a problem is a green beret, I'm like, oh, I can fix that. And it was just putting the, the eyes and together and dotting the T or dotting the I's and crossing the T's and, and making sure that everything was good, surrounding myself with great mentors, you know, looking at, you know, back to, we talked about Otis McGregor earlier and more and, and socializing my idea, going to my wife, who's probably my biggest, you know, supporter of all and, and talking to her through things and, um, <clears throat> I'm blessed that she has a very good job as well. So, you know, my entrepreneurial forays, we've had very dry months as every entrepreneur has had and, and very lucrative months. But, you know, there's always that stability in the household with her income and more. So it allowed me to kind of challenge it. But I, I tell every entrepreneur I coach that if you're not solving a problem, you're going to fail. And so I even developed a, a model off of that called a POD model off of reading all these books. And it's like most entrepreneurs fail because they talk about their differences in their approach, but that should be the last thing you talk about, right? The first thing you should talk about to capture anybody's attention is in fact the problem that you're solving. Then you have their attention. You can talk to the offerings, the O in the, in the POD model, what you're offering is to solve that problem. And you seal the deal by saying, I have empathy and authority. Here's my differentiators. Here's everything that I do differently, right? I'm a Green Beret. Um, I used to work on Wall Street. I've co-founded a tech startup. I've taught on six continents, but we all start those conversations with all about us and we never capture people's attention. we never solve that problem. And so it's always been first and foremost in, in everything that I do as an entrepreneur is what exact problem am I trying to solve? Yeah, and I imagine that that even just your process of becoming an entrepreneur was a very methodical uh, mm -hmm. because that seems to be innate to you and, and how you operate. Um, this is a side question. There are a lot of different options for project management software, Asana, Basecamp, it's, you know, sure. all, all yeah. of those. Do you have any preferences for, you know, ones that you think are uh, overall? I do. The best? I mean, yeah, I'm a, I'm a diehard Mac user and Mac fan, so um, I love OmniPlan. If you're if you're into Gantt charts and more, OmniPlan is a, a great software for that. To be very honest, I can't tell you the last time I started a project with Gantt charts unless it was for a customer that was heavily reliant on Gantt. But um, I lo I love Basecamp. And in fact, you know, I have kind of a, a hip pocket full, like a referee flag, right? Like whatever that client needs and wants to, I have kind of my go-tos. I love OmniFocus for individual entrepreneurs because it's based off of David Allen's getting things done methodology and it syncs across everything. So, you know, if, if it's a, a solo practitioner who's not trying to communicate, I send them to OmniFocus if they're a Mac user. If, if they're, you know, we recommend free and open source platforms as well. I like Trello better than Asana probably. You know, Monday.com is fantastic for teams. It gets a little bit pricey the more you raise projectmanagement.com is great for the budget. So it's, it's kind of a hard question to answer and I'm not dodging it, but it's yeah. based upon, you know, budgets and whatever with a small team that even I have, 
$45 per user per month for something like Monday can be a little bit prohibitive. Um, and I just want to make sure that you're best doing with there because we've all been in the space to where some new tool or toy is incorporated and nobody wants to use it, you know, and, and I've tried out teams and Slack and, and every type of software system out there, notion and Basecamp and everything just to make sure that I'm in there, but Basecamp, um, for my general, just, um, <clears throat> Uh, recommendations. Basecamp is hard to beat. Um, it lacks some functionality that a lot of teams meet, but the ability for $99 a month, and I don't get paid for mentioning Basecamp. I'm not on some referral bonus with them, but $99 a month for unlimited users and unlimited projects, the ability to invite clients in and talk to things and to be able to chat within a project to only those people within there. To me, that checks a whole lot of boxes for what most people and organizations need and can rely upon pretty easily. Okay, that's great advice. Thank you. You uh, that's very in depth. And and yeah. yes, every 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 business, every entrepreneur is going to have different needs and different ways of working. And um, yeah, that's good advice. But, so uh, less less common on there. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Less common is I, I believe in my heart that stakeholder engagement is probably the most underlooked facet of proper project execution. Um, and it's so simple and yet so crazy complicated at times as well. So driving anything that I do is how those people want to and need to communicate with stakeholders and in a manner that's most beneficial to the stakeholders, depending on the power and interest that that stakeholder possesses for each project. And that's that's quite frankly, one of the ways that my training beats a lot of others is, you know, uh, in the last six weeks, I've trained probably seven different, you know, military units and corporate clients. And I get to see a whole lot of different perspectives, but uniform across is how do you communicate with stakeholders? Is it purely rank based, you know, off that rank you have on your, on your uniform? Is it hierarchy based upon the civilian organization and more, but you're not winning 29% of projects fail across the globe because of poor communication, which is criminal, stu criminally stupid. We all have things in our pocket, you know, our iPhones and more that we can communicate now better than ever before. And yet more projects are failing because of a lack of communication. So driving any recommendation is that need for communication to occur effectively. Do you have any tips for communicating effectively with the stakeholders? Yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> this sounds a little bit blunt and I apologize. Get over yourself first. It's not about how you like to communicate. It's how they like to receive information. So I teach things like DISC and, and more, not just a, a one peg, you know, round peg, round hole, but it's understanding where that person's active or reflective, task focused or people focused and triaging how you engage with them. Because if someone is reflective and people focused, you're going to have long conversations with them, uh, diving deep in the project methodology, even though you might not have the time and more. If somebody's task focused and active, you can hand them a piece of paper and say, email me any questions you have and walk out of their office and they're happy and you're happy. It's not about how you like to communicate, it's how that person needs to receive the information so that both is happening simultaneously. Absolutely, I completely agree with that one. So in your opinion, what makes your business unique and valuable to your customers or your clients? How does it address a specific need or solve a particular problem? Um, so, so primarily, and the word just all over my website and more is relevance, right? And and again, I've already said it once this call, so I'm not going to be the dead horse, but too many things are a round peg, round hole solution. You know, consultants come in and say, you have to use this acronym only, no matter what the business is, because they're proud of it and they're engaged with it and more. But we make sure that our, our, our training, anything that we do, any offering that we does, 
one solves a problem and the offering is boutique enough that it's relevant and client focused for your organization and your industry to make you successful. And lastly, um, as a Green Beret and Special Operator and former GS-13 still in the, in the Special Operations realm, we, we do everything from a unique perspective in that unconventional approach to problem solving. I tell clients, Einstein said you can't solve problems using the same thinking that you used when you created them. So having more MBAs and more come in and more of this type of, you know, same type of person always trying to solve it. Nothing against MBAs in the world at all. But you need some different perspectives and diversity of thought to come in and look at that and go, tweak. And, and that's where a lot of military people, especially 20 years of war or more, come into organizations and they're so successful because the organization could have been hung up on this problem for six hours or six months. And we go and tweak it just with a sudden look. And now magic is happening, communication is occurring and, and deliverables are being delivered. Oh, excellent. So switching gears just a little bit, can you share some key influences or mentors who've played a significant role in your journey and, and how they impacted your approach to business? Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of people don't like it when I start off with this, but the Lord, right? First of all, God, if um, if, if I were more prideful or drank my own Kool-Aid too much, um, you know, being a Christian man and a, and a father, you know, every day starts with giving thanks to the Lord for what he's given me and blessed me with. And every day ends with also giving thanks for, for what he's given me and blessed me with. Um, I mentioned my dad. My dad was a uh, Navy guy, worked for the government. He was in the first nuclear power submarine, the Ethan Allen probably why I had cancer twice later on in life, but um, back in the 60s. Um, so he had a crazy unique approach, having grown up just dirt poor in the South and, and making something out of himself and rising different levels. Um, Alan Weiss, the consultant author, I've never met personally, but I recommend anything that he says in any book that he writes. He's been around for 40 years doing this and he just gives blunt off the, I mean, so every engagement that I have with a client, I can almost reference back. I should probably pay Alan commissions at some point just from reading his books and, and quoting him so much. Um, Dave Ramsey, I'm a, I'm a Dave Ramsey master financial coach and, and operating my business off of some stuff that he wrote in Entree Leadership 15, 18 years ago now. Um, so I, I love Dave's approach to a lot of stuff. I, I like how he looks at things in the, in the problem lens and staying out of debt keeps me fiscally secure. And, and again, you know, making sure that I'm not making, I could be overly risk-taking sometimes that I don't take those risks that I know that aren't really for that time. Operating off of a debit card only, it, it kind of when you see the money come out of your bank account <laughs> immediately, instead of just adding up on credit or debt hurts. And then Donald Miller, um, the author of Building a Story Brand, Marketing Made Simple, Business Made Simple. Otis McGregor um, is phenomenal. If you guys listening to this or hearing this, Otis is a founder of Tribe and Purpose. He's doing fantastic stuff as a Green Beret Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, Tanya Mazzolini, personal friend of mine since I was a kid in martial arts in Cleveland, Tennessee. She's amazing. She's a CPA and a, a chief financial officer for a not-for-profit. She's just a great human being. So, um, again, it's just, you know, no, no man's an island, right? So you got to surround yourself with the right people who, who have all those different approaches. But going back, like, I thank God every day. And I listen to people who have different perspectives to me because um, I think that divisiveness that we're in as a, as a country right now is doing more harm than good, that we should all have civil conversations and civil dialogues, no matter if you're right, left, or, or whatever in between, you should be able to agree in a common way forward without the violence and the, uh, and the inherent apathy to or um, <laughs> just uh, antagonistic approach to everybody that you see nowadays. If they don't believe in you, then they're wrong all of a sudden. So long answer to a question, but 
nonetheless great answer to the question great answer <laughs> so yes and and even in my own life my christian faith is is first and foremost in everything i do and it uh, it's it's changed my business um you know because yeah. initially i i, I wasn't uh, you know as close to the lord as i wanted to be and then i you know something happened and that shifted and i came back many years ago uh, and it's just, it drives everything, my relationships, my communication, how the, you know, the ethics of running my business, all of those pieces. And Amen. Uh, it's, it's been wonderful. So yeah. looking back on your entrepreneurial journey, what would you mm -hmm. say has been the most valuable lesson that you've learned? Um, again, I, I thought with this one a little bit internally as I was walking around, walking my dog earlier and stuff and prepping for the call. And I'm like, I think, I think the simple answer is just to believe in yourself. Um, you know, and a lot of people would think, you know, I have a black belt. I, I have a master's degree. I was a green beret. I had a very high level security clearance. I worked for the government. You know, I, I left the Institute of Project Management as the chief operating officer. So third in charge of their global activities and more. And so everybody would, I guess, picture that ego, you know, would, would just be there. But like everybody else in the world, I tend to suffer from imposter syndrome a lot of time and just wonder, you know, like I said earlier, if somebody buys a book that I've written, I almost vomit in my mouth and want to immediately give them a refund, right? Even though I know that, you know, I obsessed over the book and, and worked thousands of hours on that. Um, but to believe in myself and then anybody that follows me on LinkedIn will tell you that about twice a month, I'll just post, you know, stay the course, keep the faith. And, and people always respond very well to that because, you know, there's a bunch of cliches I could throw out, like it's always darkest before the dawn and all this stuff, right? But when, when you're on that journey and you know what right looks like and you've armed yourself with the right things, you're, you're undertaking the right efforts, you surround yourself with the right people, you've got the right attitude, the right motivation and more. And then, you know, hurdles start coming your way. Like, you know, we all know in the military that no plan survives contact with the enemy. And I tell civilian clients that no business plan survives contact with the customer. So, you know, it's the same thing, civilian and military, like no plan is infallible. Plans are nothing. Planning is everything, as, as Dwight Eisenhower said. So stay the course, keep the faith, but, you know, always be able to, to adjust fire and, and move out in the right direction when you have to. But you have to believe in yourself. And if you don't, um, you, you're going to always suffer the consequences of it. And, and I've, I've taken times in building teams several times over to where I've let my teams dictate my priorities and dictate stuff and, and nothing against my team. And it's not aimed at any one person, but I didn't listen to myself and I was less successful as a result. And so when you're in that position to experience and you have the skills and the knowledge to actually do the, the right things, you have to believe in yourself. And, and a part of that is communicating, staying the course, keeping the faith, you know, and, and Donald Miller, I, I always tell clients, um, in, in, um, building a story brand, Donald Miller says, you have to tell people things on your team on average seven times. And I joke and say, it's more like 77 times. You always have to just tell people things over and over and over. Um, and then that's just part of that staying the course. And, and again, it, it drives back the problem solving, be irrelevant, communicating, doing all that stuff. But when you chart your path and you, you know, the God's on your side and what right is, Keep the faith. Keep the faith that you're going to be successful. Keep the faith that you're going to do the right things that you're going to provide for your family. And that also allows you to be deliberate and intentional in what you do, spending time with your family, not the cost of your business, not trying to grow one at the expense of the other. And, and knowing that, you know, work-life balance is a fallacy that you can, you, there's never going to be a work-life balance. You, can, you have one life to live. But I tell clients and people, I can make it another dollar, but I can't make it another minute. You know, God hasn't granted, granted me that gift just yet. So being hyper intentional and deliberate with my time and knowing where I want to spend it and then 
just keeping the faith that, you know, it'll all work out in the end. That's great advice. Stay the course, keep the faith. Uh, you mentioned your books. Can you tell me a little more about them? Sure. So I have, um, I started a new series called the FM series. Um, it is based off the military field manuals and they're quick reads. Um, so less than hundred pages. The first one was FM 18 for the special forces MOS 18 series dash one. Um, so it's FM 18 dash one was a strategic guide division. And it, it puts in simple tactical terms, like by this date, we will do this resulting in this. And it takes John Cotter's change models and everything on the place for achieving your vision and puts it all into a roadmap that you can use because stupidly, we don't look at something as simple as downhill skiers, right? Like when they're hitting the slalom gates, those operational waypoints that they have to hit, they're doing the right tactical efforts to hit the gates that they need to, to reach the bottom of the mountain. They don't just get to the top, let the gate go and wing it. They have a plan, but they adjust a plan to where they need to, but you can watch in their legs and their skis and more like how that looks like. And so FM 18-2 coming out July 4th is um, getting out of debt. No offense to Dave Ramsey and his team. I love Dave, but uh, I'm kind of taking a parting shot at Dave's wisdom over 30 years because he hasn't changed his platform in 30 years. And he doesn't, even in the seven baby steps, mention the word budget. And so one of the things that he talks about all the time is budgeting and he it's a driving factor in everything he does, but no concept survives 30 years of growth, especially in the technology base that we have, but without adjusting a plan a little bit. And, and personally, I feel seven steps is, is too much. So my approach on debt is a green berets approach on getting out of debt, living within your means, get focused, get organized, get future looking instead of backwards looking, and then just go from there. And then, um, published last year was a book I had called The Hill. The Hill was my journey. And um, early in the special operations day, I, I came off the streets as a civilian um, and got signed up for the 18 X-ray program, meaning that once I passed entry basic training in airborne school, I could go trial for selection without the normal rank requirements as a sergeant and time and service that you normally had to have. And so going to the special operations preparation and conditioning course, there's some activities that happened the very first day that made me doubt that I was ever eligible to be a Green Beret or anything else and put the fear of God in me. And so this hill just crushed us every single day in training. But I finally, you know, it's cliched, but learn to enjoy the view from the top instead of worrying about what the bottom looks like and, and just realizing that all things end and more. So that was more designed for a younger crowd, but even adults come back to me and say that they got a lot out of it and more. And then the original book was just a collection of articles that I had written just when I was on a keynote speaking tour and more just for, you know, I'm an author, I've written this stuff and you can see what before you hire me and more. So I'm less proud of that one in the early days as I am the FM series. And my big book, Boom, is coming out very soon. It's my model on transforming business based upon um, a model that I created called the CN Act model based off a course that I used to run called Creating Elite Organizations based upon the special operations principles. So I love writing um, and, and it makes me happy, even though fearful when people read it. Oh, awesome. And I'm assuming those are all on Amazon. Uh, they are. The first four are on Amazon. Um, FM 18-2 comes out July 4th and Boom comes out in September. So um, so they're coming quickly. But all the first the ones published already are already out there. Um, and ready to go. They're also on my website at dollcoach.com. Yeah, I'll make sure that those links are available. And so, yeah, you mentioned your website is, uh, how can people learn more about you? Just by going to dollcoach.com? dollcoach.com. Everybody asks me what DOL stands for. It's uh, the oppressor LeBaire, the special forces model to free the oppressed. Um, again, I'm a, I'm a no debt guy. Debt is oppressive. So as a financial coach, I'm happy to say on the pro bono side, I've helped over 500 military families get out of debt in the last several years. Um, and then also I view 
the poor practices, non-productive activities, and being inefficient is also oppressive to your life. So when you're spending time at work because you don't know how to work and you don't know how to be deliberate, intentional, and more, that's also oppressing you from spending time with your family and, and reaching the success that you, you kind of deserve. So dolcoach.com is my website. And it's easy if anybody wants to email me, scott at dolcoach.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing all that with us. Uh, Really incredible value. I appreciate it. No, thank you. God bless. I appreciate it. So thank you. I'll have to AAR this and and find out what I said that I thought was stupid and then listen to it later on. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Pivot Perspectives with your host, Chris O'Byrne. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advice on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates and we will see you on the next episode.